guys. Welcome to the Back Builders Podcast slash the Folk Podcast episode 57, I believe. Um, I have with me Jacob from the Wisdom of Odin. If you guys don't know who he is by now, he, you're a little behind the curve because I post about him all the time on Instagram, especially lately. My honest is probably like, shut, shut up about the gathering. <laughs> I've been nonstop posting. I can't help it, okay? But uh, anyways, yeah, we're doing, so we're doing just an episode talking about the gathering. And then what we're going to do is about halfway through, we're going to make it a Patreon exclusive for both of our communities. So first of all, Jacob, thanks for coming on. Good to see you again. Uh, I really hope your audience wants to hear more about the the gathering because that's what we're talking about. That's <laughs> because, where all the meat and potatoes are. I, to be I think it's because that's what we need to talk about. I mean, it's all that's been talked about by every, all thirty one people since we left. Oh, <laughs> it's funny because I just I, every time I go on my Instagram, I see like new pictures, new videos, and then um, you guys got to go on his YouTube channel, Wisdom of Odin, and then look up the trailer for it because people don't. Like they just hear the gathering and they have no idea what it's about. They don't know what we did at all. But if you look at the trailer, you will get a good idea of what actually happened over those three days. But nonetheless, um, I want to tell you what I expected before I actually went to this gathering. Yeah, please do. So before we left for the gathering, um, it, let me define the gathering of what it actually is. And you could correct me if I need to add anything on this, but the gathering is just the gathering of the folk. So it is fellow practitioners of Norse paganism. We have individuals who have been practicing, practicing it for oh man, months, maybe, you know, I think only people I mean, like Andrew literally was practicing, I think for like six months when he went. <laughs> and then we had other people that have been practicing for 10 or 15 years. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, Andrew is. Uh, he decided to be a Norse pagan on the drive there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, all right, I'm Norse pagan now, dude. That 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 guy, Andrew, was so much fun. He was so wild. I know he's gonna listen to this, so I know he's gonna be laughing. But he has so much energy. To yeah, I wish I was 19 again, right? I know, right? I just watched him <laughs> drink tons of mead, pass out unconscious. And then just rally a couple hours later and just his shirt was gone, screaming around the farm. Uh, but anyways, yeah, gathering is just a gathering of the folk. It's fellow practitioners of Norse paganism that want to practice our faith together. Norse paganism is an up and coming religion. It is a religion and uh, relatively new, but isn't it one of the fastest growing religions in America right now? Because I know it's the fastest growing religion in the military. I don't know about in America, but in the military, it is. It's so hard to say because no one is really getting statistics on it. I mean, even in the census, you can't claim to be a Norse pagan, mm -hmm. um, which is a really hard to take numbers. Um, I've seen uh, what I will say is Norse paganism in America is faster growing than any other country on the planet. So it's uh, it's growing slower in Iceland, it's growing slower in Germany, slower in Scandinavia. It is exploding here in the United States. Yeah. And it's it's like, dude, I can always um, attribute its growth to pop culture. I'm not going to lie. Like there's a lot of people who definitely got into Norse paganism from Vikings, the show. And um, just, the, oh God, those horrible Facebook groups. Oh God, this traumatizing Facebook group. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's one of the fastest growing religions right now for sure. And we had the opportunity, thanks to Jacob and the wisdom of Odin to actually meet up um, right outside of Lexington, Kentucky and practice the faith together. So my question to you, Jacob, 
is when did you start to realize that you actually had to go from practicing the faith on an individual level to a community level? Was there ever a moment you're like this, we need to have a gathering. So I think we talked about it on the first time, uh, the first episode we did together um, about why I started YouTube was because I thought that Norse paganism needed a facelift, that there was no Norse pagan YouTuber that was doing quality content in the sense that they were recording their practices. They were recording rituals. Um, they were actually showing themselves with other Norse pagans like that was nowhere. It was all people talking in front of a board or behind a screen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they weren't ever actually showing their practice. So that's why I started the YouTube. And naturally, you know, I started trying to join groups. I started, you know, joining those Facebook groups. And before I knew it, it was like, no matter what group you joined, one, they always never did anything. Even if, you know, it's like never. You would never see them do meetups. Or if they did, they would be really lame, like almost like yeah. fairs. Yes. Um, where they always try to pull in the public. I'm like, no, I want a place where I can just practice my faith and not be disturbed. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't find one group that was doing that. Um, and of course, you hear of like, the, uh, you know, the Asatri community here, the AFA. But then you like look at pictures from them and you're like, ooh, I don't know if I'm you or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to wear a tie to worship Odin. Uh, and so, you know, uh, before I do it, I think it was so I started YouTube in August and in February I made the first call to action saying, Why do we have to wait for a hall? Why do we have to wait for this mythical temple to be built one day? Why don't we just do it right now? I'm looking at an Airbnb, it's four hundred dollars. Who wants to come with me? And nine people answered the call. We had our first gathering then, and then those nine people, all of us left feeling so inspired, naturally we had to do it again. Mm -hmm. And then Midsummer happened. Um, we did our Midsummer gathering with 25 people. Um, and that's what blew up everything because everyone saw what we did at Midsummer. Yes. And, and all of a sudden it became, I've had, I have hundreds of people that want to come to these things. Um, and I really think it's because no one is doing anything like we are. I mean, no one's got the excitement, the fire, the passion. Um, and now you've seen it too. <laughs> and now we're oh, going to yes, have, have people that want to come to these things. <laughs> and I am not prepared. <laughs> I get so many messages because um, of the images that I've been posting, especially the one with the torches. And people are like, how do how do I get into that? I'm like, mm, you got to wait. So we're uh, we're at the third gathering now. And my um, after I saw the second one on YouTube, I was like, oh, God, I got to be a part of this. My audience knows this already. Um, but for those of you guys who don't know, I was actually supposed to go to the second one. And unfortunately, uh, I got the coronavirus. The coronavirus wasn't even the bad part. It was missing the gathering. That was the bad part. And the army was like, you're not leaving the state of California for 14 days. I could have left, but I would have gotten in big trouble. So I didn't want to risk it. So I knew I had to make it to this third gathering. Now, my impression of the gathering, not going to lie, Jacob, I was excited, but I was skeptical. My natural default, <laughs> my natural default state is skepticism. Everything I always approach is with skepticism. And um, I got off of my, I w it wasn't skeptic. Like, I just can't explain. I'm like, is this really going to be what I think it is? Like, I just had no idea what to expect. I've only talked to you through our podcasts and on Instagram and stuff like that. Barely spoken to Casey. But other than that, I've known nobody else at all. You know, I didn't know who I was going. So it was just completely brand new. And then I've been practicing the faith for years by myself. So I was like, I have no idea what to expect from this. And then uh, the first thing is so I was just naturally skeptical. And then I got to the gathering. And the first thing that I noticed after about 12 hours of flying, I was exhausted. 
was how welcoming everyone was. And that was a, that was a surprise. I didn't expect everybody to turn their backs on me, but um, everybody was just very welcoming. I'm pretty sure I said hi to just about every person in the building. And I was immediately greeted with mead, which was very nice, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> you're like, here, have some mead right when I walk in. Well, you should have told me you hadn't eaten anything. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I was severely dehydrated. I haven't eaten. I stumbled in through the door like, oh, oh God. And the first thing I have after 12 hours is mead. And that's that's strong. And I just immediately got like, a, that was like the most buzzed I got during the whole thing. Um but yeah, I get there. Everybody's very warm, very welcoming. But I noticed I still had a lot of uh, tension from traveling. I hate traveling. And then I had tension from being around other people that I didn't know. I'm not the most social person in the world. And uh, then I'm immediately met almost 20 minutes after I get there, met with the drum circle. So you remember that? I'm sure you remember the drum circle that was at the bottom of the stairs within the first 15 minutes of me being there. Where Andrew passed out. Yes. Yes, which I want to talk about. This is so funny. Andrew's a meme at this point. He's just, uh, <laughs> oh God, I have so many funny memories of that guy. I love it. Uh, but I get down to the drum circle and I'm surrounded by just shadows, honestly, of just other Norse pagans just underneath these, underneath the deck, just shadows from the candlelight. And I'm kind of just sitting there. I'm like, I've never been in a freaking drum circle in my entire life. Like, what do I do? Do I just <laughs> sit here? Do I grab a drum? What do I do? But what happened was I ended up just being like, all right, just relax. I let my shoulders ease into it. Um, and I really just put myself into that relaxed state of just hearing the drums. And at a certain point, uh, everything just started to slowly sink into itself. I started to relate to the other people, at least on a nonverbal level, obviously. And I just started to realize like, hmm, okay, maybe this is the right choice that I've made here. Honestly, that, those, those were some of the thoughts that were going through my head. And obviously we had the singing and stuff like that. Um, but that's when I started to realize like, okay, all right, this is, I think this is going to be a good time. And then, um, you know, I, I don't want to go too, too much into details about that. But then I look over Andrew, I know you're listening to this, and I look over at Andrew and he's just passed out on his back. I don't know at one point, I literally looked on at him. On the concrete too, it was not soft ground. <laughs> yeah, on the concrete, just passed out and I looked over at him and uh, he had a mead horn that was spilling mead out of it. I don't know what happened. I looked at his conscious and the next moment he was just unconscious and his mead horn was on the ground. And I just, I, I remember having this thought of, I know it's kind of silly, but how many times has this happened in our ancestral history when you just have like the young guy who just discovered alcohol and he's just passed out on the ground. But um, I started to go into like this interesting trance like state where I uh, just saw a bunch of colors in my mind and um, started to really sink myself into the drums and into the vocals and stuff like that. And uh, I started to connect on a deeper, more spiritual level outside of just being this guy in a drum circle. It was the first moment that I had when I started connecting to the folk. Um, that was like the first feeling that I had when, um, you know, it started to really make sense to me. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think drums are a really great way. You know, 
I feel like drum circles get a bad rep as being like a hippie thing where they're just like the, the hippie stereotype of, oh, let's just have yeah, a drum yeah. circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something that just naturally happened. It's a, become a natural part of our own little community culture. Um, because at Midsummer, I bought three drums. That was my gift for everyone is that we were oh, going nice. to have these three drums. Um, and we painted them and they became this this community symbol because uh, we we ended up distributing them. So I kept one, the North kept one and the South kept one. So they ended up splitting up. And then at the gathering, they came back together. Um, and apparently they had children because there was like nine drums at this <laughs> gathering. Uh, <laughs> uh, but truly, it became this natural thing where it was just something that people naturally came to to build community mm-hmm. because you have to vibe off each other in a way to have That's a true. drum circle. You know, the people singing. I mean, there was a guy with a rain stick. There was maracas. There was like six drums. And you all have to find a rhythm with each other non-verbally. And it's a very interesting community building thing, not to mention the vibrations of those drums is very rhythmic and meditative. Um, you don't ever get that watching the video. You have to have that drum in your hand or have one beat right next to you to really understand what it does. I mean, it vibrates the air. It's crazy. Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed, too, because like I said, I've never sat in a drum circle before. But the the way you change the direction on the drum, the way you're facing it, the beats per minute um, changes your psyche to a certain extent. I'm not saying you're going to trip or anything, but it allows you to get in this different state of mind. But if you anyways, get a big enough drum, you're going to trip. Oh, God. I really just like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Hey, you, you do feel like a change in your cellular uh, structure or system or whatever you want to call it, where it just hits every part of your body and your mind and your eyes and the back of your throat and everything like that. So the thing I like, um, this is something Ian and um, Kristen and Jason were talking about because mm-hmm. they were doing offerings in the woods at that time. So they were in the deep, dark woods, pitch black, yes. and they could feel the drums from out there. So it's like even being out in nature and having that vibration and having that noise out in nature, it really creates an ambiance that you can't get anywhere else. Does. You know, that's actually a really good point. So, you know, I'm really big on aesthetics and that involves like sound, uh, garb, dress, you know, paints and stuff like that. And one of the things that I noticed that really started to allow me to realize that I was at the gathering was this just amazing feeling of being on the deck. This is more going into the second day, but also the first where you're just on the deck and out in the forest, you just hear drums and you hear this little boom, 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 boom of people walking through the woods with drums. And you'll hear those horns out in the woods. You'll hear people chanting and yelling and stuff like that. Um, that oh, was shoot, like, I woke up the I think it was the second day I woke up. And the first thing I heard was those flutes and it sounded like mm. I was at the Shire. Yeah, <laughs> and that's an amazing. Every morning, I want to wake up to the sounds of flutes being played in the meadows. Like it was the most soothing way to start the day. Yeah, everybody had an instrument of some sort, whether it was drums or guitar or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the aesthetics of it were just so relaxing to me. Like to give you guys an idea of what kind of property property we were on, it was like what maybe I don't know how many acres, but it was a decent amount of land. And we had a lake in the middle of land, which I discovered at night with Casey. <laughs> just walk straight I like, forgot about that. <laughs> I thought it was grass. Okay. I, let me share my side of that story. So oh, basically, um, I was, we hadn't really talked much the first night. Uh, you know, I said, hello, got you the meet. And I basically kind of went on my way. Um, and me and some of the guys, I had a really intense, like Odin moment. And we decided to go by the, the pond lake and just sit there and look at the stars and just kind of meditate together. Um, and we're sitting there and for some reason, I guess you and Casey decided you were going to come say hello. And so you guys were like running down the hill and I hear you both coming and we're all kind of looking and like in this very judgmental old man face. Like we all had that judgment face and we hear just like sploosh and we're <laughs> like this here, crap. <laughs> I, we're, you I'm guys like, are on the other side of that lake? 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I heard, I heard and saw everything. What you guys were just like chilling there, trying to have a moment, and then I just come in falling into the lake. Luckily, our moment was basically over before you ruined this. <laughs> oh, God. All right. In my defense, I was with Casey, okay, and I don't know why, but she kept telling me there's a lake there, and I was like, "No, there's not." <laughs> and I tried it's to will really myself. Gross too. Oh, it was so gross, which is why I couldn't see it. I, I like wanted to will myself over the like i wanted to have a jesus moment i guess where i just walk across the lake but what happened was the way the moonlight was hitting the lake it looked like a very flat plateau of grass on the left side and so i just took a step in like with just utter and complete confidence and i was like oh i was like god damn <laughs> you just hear me and then i look at casey i was like why did you tell me there's a lake there even though she did the whole time i had a wet boot for the rest of the night um that's funny. I had no idea you guys were on the other side of the lake. Oh, I yeah. knew you guys were over there it was somewhere. Me, Chris, uh, Jason, and uh, Drew were all on the other side. <laughs> what a good first impression, considering I haven't met half of the people yet, and they just see this guy falling into a lake. Oh, my God. Yeah, my boot was wet for the rest of the night. But, yeah, that was the first night. And then, um, like, going into the second night is when I started to really relax. One thing that I noticed about the gatherings is that there is this ease of communication that you don't really have on the outside world. So like a good example of that is as you get to know people, you could just walk into any group at any time and start talking about anything. And it really reminded me of the whole time I'm referencing like our ancient ancestors and like tribal life because we did. We felt like we had our own little mini tribe and to be able to communicate with everybody on a very personal level, dude. I didn't look at my phone one time. I think I, I looked at my phone maybe three times once a day to check in with family and stuff like that because I wanted to force myself to get in the mode of like from just hyper attention to phones, TVs, the news to focusing on people and my social interactions and stuff like that. And there's a very powerful statement to be made about going to these gatherings and just being able to talk to people, dude, really like I had no idea how much I missed it to just be able to just talk to people it sounds so strange to say now but we've really forgotten that art of socializing and getting to know people on a very deep and personal level well you know not once in the the history of the gatherings i've been to as a tv ever turned on uh, mm -hmm. not once has a board game been playing not once has cards come out you know not once has video like someone said oh i'll bring a nintendo switch or anything like that um all that happens is conversation feasting drinking and worshiping it's all that happens while you're there and that just makes life, it gives life true purpose. And I think that's the hardest thing. That's the true spiritual hangover we talk about when you leave these things yes. is learning how to deal with the lack of that, understanding that that's what life is about. And then going back to the modern world and you're like, wow, the modern world is so far away from where yes. it needs to actually be. Yes, that's such a good point. Um, because this is the funny part is, is we interact on a daily basis with the world with all of our phones and everything like we've both talked about. This is our normal, right? At least we think it is. And then you go to the gathering and you realize that's the normal, right? To be able to interact in these tiny little squads or tribes or whatever you want to call it. Humans are very tribal creatures. And um, I realize, I realize this. I realize that that is the normal state of man. I've always kind of realized that, you know, I've had short experiences with it before, but that was the true and actual state of man was the gathering. And you're right. You have the spiritual aspect of the gathering, uh, the hangover which I'm sure we'll talk about more later. Um, but what people really miss when they leave the gatherings is the ability to have that connection that we had at the gathering, you know? Dude, I'm not going to lie. When I left the gathering, 
it was like an emotional experience for me to say goodbye to everybody and watch everybody go down, you know, their own paths, which, you know, we'll talk about more later. Um, um, is this where we talk about the drums or are we talking about the drums in the second part? Let's talk about the drums in the second part right, because right. that is a very, now you got to watch the second part because yeah, of the drums. yeah, everybody's got to, you got, you got to tune in the second part of this. Um, but I want to, I want to ask you, Jacob, what did you really want to get out of this gathering? What did you, cause I know what I wanted to get out of it, but what did you, Jacob, the wisdom of Odin, what did you want to get out of this? I don't have needs anymore. My needs are the community's <laughs> needs. <laughs> and I literally actually, Kristen asked me that once. Like I was walking by her, like with my hands behind my back, doing my little spirit walk. Yeah. It's just like, it's Jacob, are you taking any time for myself, for yourself? I turned at her and looked her dead in the eyes. I'm like, that's not why I'm here. And I kept walking. <laughs> um, I mean, truly, uh, you know, I don't really ask anything of myself for these gatherings. All I wish, and it's, you know, we'll talk about, I'm sure more in the second part is the reason we had our, our final ritual of fire ritual is mm -hmm. to spread the fire, to spread the passion, because I feel that we are figuring out, you know, it sounds bold and it sounds maybe even egotistical to say like, we, I feel truly feel like we've found the meaning of life yeah. is community. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and that's all I want is for people to see that and experience that I get such joy from people like you or people even like Andrew, but the reason I talk to everyone at least once individually or twice if I can is to say, hey, how was your experience at the gathering? Because almost every single time, you know what? No, every single time mm. it's this was life changing. And that's what I do it for. So that's mm. truly that's truly all that matters to me. I feel like at a certain point when it comes to anything in life, right? Right. I feel like at a certain point you have to kind of realize that you are outside of yourself. I feel like um, a certain type of masculinity is realize that you're there, not to necessarily, people have this uh, tone with serving others as if it's like a derogatory, like slavery. When in actuality, the most happy that I've ever been, the most satisfied that I've ever been, I feel like you can attest to this too, is when able to, I'm, when I'm, whenever I'm able to assist others in development, in community <clears throat> and just generally feeling good about life, motivating and expiring. I feel like that's what you're talking about at this point. Cause we, we, we've talked about this, how you went from, you know, working this job for these other people to now you're essentially working for yourself and you're outside of yourself. You're serving the community, the greater good. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and that, that goes down all the way to the, the spiritual level too. Um, like during the, you know, the final ritual, I'm trying not to dive too much deep. Me into too. It's so hard not to talk It's about so hard. It. Um, so like, for instance, during the final ritual, I felt like I was controlling myself almost like, uh, like men in black with that little alien inside that dude's head. Like yeah. it was almost like that where it was like, I was physically having to move the controls. Like my body was no longer my own because mm -hmm. it was like my body became what it needed to be for the people. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the whole thing. You know, my oath to Odin literally is that like, you know, take care of my, you know, my food, my housing, my love life. And I will take care of the people. I will do my best to take care of the folk and show them the gods um, and allow the gods to influence their lives. Um, and every single time that's, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself and it's like you said, it's not, it's not slavery. It's a servitude to a higher purpose. Yeah. Exactly. And that's one of my critiques of atheism. It's like, so what do you serve? You only serve yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not a way to live. You know, that's not a way to achieve happiness in my opinion. No, I can attest to that. So what was really interesting about the gathering, and I'm glad you brought that up too, was that a lot of people came from a Christian background and, um, you know, they were either unmotivated by the faith or they just didn't feel a connection from it. But I was one of the few atheists that went Norse pagan. And I could tell you being an atheist is a dark, it's a lonely place. 
Um, you serve nobody but yourself. You're nihilistic and relatively selfish, not to mention that atheism is its own religion, in my opinion. Like you have your standard dogma, you have your rebuttals to certain, you know, um, counter arguments, etc. So to join the faith of Norse paganism, which by the way, by the way, I asked a lot of people how they got into the faith. I don't know if you've noticed the pattern here, but a lot of it was in a way non-consensual meaning that Norse paganism calls to you. This is what I always tell people. They always say, how do I get into the faith? How do I get into the faith? To a certain extent, you can obviously dive into it and attach yourself to it. But for the most part, a lot of the people that I talk to, it called to them on a deep and spiritual level. Have you noticed that yourself? No, I mean, 100%. Um, if anyone actually did like any kind of analysis over my videos or the last few years, the last year feels like years. Um, you know, my videos recently have turned more into, um, you know, what to do, you know, how do I put this? So like, uh, one video I had was, uh, on what one video I had was on Odin and how Odin isn't for everyone, because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people come into this path and they want to follow Odin right away because he's the chief God. And then just because we that Christian dogma, we think we need to talk to the chief God, but Odin's a dick. Yeah. Uh, Odin is a very hard God. And we even saw this weekend. Tyr is a very hard God. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, attaching to them right away is not the best way to feel this faith. Um, but they are most likely the ones to call to you. So mm -hmm. they will be the ones to seek you out. Like if Odin wants you, he will come to you and say, I need you or yeah. I want you to follow this path. Um, you know, it's different for every God. If you want to get into this faith, if you don't, haven't felt that calling and you want to get into it, I always recommend check out gods like, uh, you know, Braggy or Boulder or um, or mm. Thor, they're much easier to connect with if you call out to them. You know, you go out into any thunderstorm with a beer and give to Thor, you're gonna feel Thor. You know, it's a very visceral and primal experience. Um, and even gods like Freya or Freya, because you can go into nature and feel them always. And mm. so um, it's definitely, you know, it's a very complicated religion. Um, it, it takes a lot of study, um, but you know, it, it also takes guidance and it's hard just to hop in um, if you haven't had that calling. Yeah, I agree. And one thing you just you just reminded me of another important thing. So on the topic of the gods and the community and stuff like that, one of the most underrated things about that gathering, which not a lot of people have spoken about yet, you probably will later, but the exchange of knowledge at Norse paganism is an extremely complicated faith. You're pulling stories from thousands of years ago, the myths, the gods, the symbols, the interpretations of the runes. It was the first time, Jacob, in my entire life that I was able to meet with other Norse pagans. And of course you have the spiritual aspect of it. You have the ancestral aspect of it, the folkish, but I had the knowledge aspect of it where I was able to talk to Ian and I was able to learn about hell. I was able to talk about Caleb and his hyper, you know, awareness of the, the myth of the lore. And I was able to, to kind of take what I've learned. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what I know about this. What have you learned and build onto it? Dude, I've learned so much from the last weekend of just being able to exchange knowledge uh norse paganism not so much anymore but was an oral uh community it was an oral religion it was a uh, religion it was a mythos that was exchanged around campfires for thousands of years and to be able to do that same thing over and over again was such an honor so one thing I'll uh, I'll segue off of that is like the idea of our modern saga. And I think that's something that's so powerful to Norse paganism 
Um, and it's something I'm very big on pushing is it's like, yes, we have these great stories of the past. Yes, we can venerate the past as much as we want. But this mm-hmm. is, like you said, a, a spoken faith. It's it's something that's passed down orally. And storytelling is so important yes. to that. Um, so I was just talking to Jason about it, um, about like actually writing sagas because he's a he writes poetry. Like that's what he mm-hmm. does. Yeah, he's really good at it, too. Yeah. So I was talking to him. I was like, look, man, you became unchained. I've been calling him Jason the Unchained because yeah. this dude was like straight and arrow very monotone, very, you know, very calm, collected, used to practice Buddhism. He gets to that gathering and with five minutes, he is looking at the sky and going like, oh, oh, like just screaming. <laughs> and I mean, he was like the loudest of all of us. Yeah. Like he was the one during like the Odin ritual that was just like screaming his head off. And so I've been calling him the Unchained. I'm like, dude, I want someone to write your story. And he's like, dude, that's mm. what we need. I'm like, yes. That's such a good we point. We need to record the stories, our modern stories, because that is what will make this faith last. I've never thought about that actually that way. Um, you know, in an aspect of that, you you said something to me that stuck with me in one of your podcasts. I don't remember what it was, but what did you call it? The third saga? We are the third saga? The third the era? third wave. Third wave. Okay. So we've had one and two waves and we're the third. A problem that I've had, right, is in Norse paganism, you often over-romanticize our ancestors. They were, dude, they were rough. Um imperfect creatures however they got us to the point to where we are now and i can't help but respect them and love them for it but a lot of norse pagans including myself get so caught up in the past that you have this painful nostalgic urge to go just back you know you just want to go back so bad but the truth is you're not going to go back you can't you were put here for a reason and now i'm starting to realize that uh my over romanticized idea of the past to a certain extent the energy was misplaced and what we need to focus on right here right now is getting our faith to where it needs to be um, for not only ourselves but our kindred the biggest difference for me so back you know back in the time of the ancestors back in pre-christian times you were far more concerned with survival you were concerned with where am I getting my next meal? Can I feed my children? How many of my children are going to die this year? Um, you know, are, am I able to provide shelter for myself? You really weren't thinking, you know, super long term. You weren't th- thinking about retirement. And it, at these gatherings, it was more or less a celebration of, you know, survival. Like, oh, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I think I read somewhere that was talking exactly. about how uh, the spring gatherings were always to celebrate the fact that you survived the winter. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we didn't die this winter. Oh, praise the gods. Let's give them gifts. You know, uh, like, but now we don't have to think about things like that. So in a way, and it, you know, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but we are in the greatest age of paganism because mm-hmm. we can afford to think about higher level things. We can start, th- you know, diving into the runes deeper. We can start diving into trance work and meditation. And, and, and it's more of a common folk, you know, the, the, shamans of the past sure they might have traveled those things but the everyday person couldn't but now we are living in an age where we can explore those things as a community and that gives us so much more than our ancestors had Mm. yeah that's a really good point that was one of the things that i was thinking about a lot too is like i couldn't help but just be you're right like when spring came it was really just a celebration of not dying which uh brings me to my next point is that the gathering for me was a celebration of life it was an attentiveness. It was an awareness that a lot of us haven't been able to have for a long time. Dude, I can tell you right now that a lot of those people, including myself, haven't taken enough time to go out in nature and just take deep breaths, relax, slow down, stroll, 
dude, when was the last time I strolled through the woods? You know what I mean? Even here now, I live in the woods and I, I stroll through the woods with a sense of urgency because I'm like, I got an hour, you know, I got to be back for work soon. And um, to be able to just slow down and pay attention. That was one of the things that I noticed from this last gathering is that I was able to pay attention to my surroundings. I went out in the woods. Dude, this this guy blew my mind. I, I honestly can't remember his name. I just, in my head, he's just the druid. It's Mary's boyfriend. Oh, Logan, Logan. Logan. And to be able to walk around with both of them, Mary and Logan, and to watch this guy, Logan, interact with nature was something I haven't seen someone do in a long time. This dude knew everything about everything. He picked up every rock. He identified every salamander, snake, pulled off mushrooms off the tree, and we freaking ate it for lunch. And to be able to witness that attentiveness again was something that I haven't seen dude, in a long so time. So we've been talking about this for a couple of days, like me and a couple people um so he uh, at one point i was walking through the woods and i looked to my right and i just see him smiling just walking <laughs> down this path and for people to understand this guy straight up looks like a like a forest spirit he's got like a he billy goat goatee yeah. he's very skinny just has like a, like light on his feet and in one hand he's got a sickle and the other hand he's got wheat grass and i'm like <laughs> logan how you doing he's like man i just yeah. had the best time I'm like yeah. seems like it <laughs> and it's like and it's like i can't tell you how many times i was just walking in the woods and just found people meditating or giving offerings or just you know just having an experience um one thing i wanted to mention probably before we need to switch over to the uh the the patreon one is the time dilation because this is something yes. that i've noticed since day one is how much time completely changes at these yes days. oh you should go into more detail about that it's really interesting so um, first gathering, we had 24 hours. Literally, we got there at four. We, I mean, shoot, we had less than 24 hours. But yet it somehow felt like an eternity. Like it felt like we yeah. were there for weeks because so much happens. You have so many experiences. Not to mention you just don't want to go to bed because you don't want to be like Andrew and you don't want to miss things. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's true. Like that's the reason you stay up and you, go, you only get three or four hours of sleep is because yeah. you really don't want to miss a moment of these things. Mm -hmm. um, and then sure enough, with Midsummer, you know, we had two days. And then with Midsummer, we had so much daylight. I mean, we had 14 hours of daylight each day. And it's like that. it really did feel like the longest days. And you never truly respect that in the day to day bustle of life. You don't recognize how much daylight there is on the 21st of June. There is so the sun rises at like 615 and sets at 930. It's ridiculous. Wow. Um, and that's something I never respected until midsummer. And of course, with the fall gathering, I mean, it felt like we were there for a week. Yeah, it did. And we were only over 72 hours, if that. The time yeah. dilation is actually something I was talking to, I think, Caleb about. Um, in the modern world, we're so used to... I don't know about you, man, but I have my days planned out to the hour. I have, I monitor my seconds, I monitor my minutes, I monitor my hours, my days, my weeks, everything. When you're there, you realize that the cosmos, the universe, that the world is cyclic. Uh, humans, the invention of time, time down to the seconds, minutes, and hours is a relatively new invention. But when you're there, you don't have a phone, I didn't have a watch, and I was able to just, I just looked at the sun and I was like, I think I, I remember being slightly insulted when somebody would tell me the time I'm like damn it <laughs> why did you you know what i mean like it, it, it breaks the illusion yeah it breaks the illusion uh and and then uh yeah the days are just so long and one thing that i noticed too about sleep i didn't want to sleep a lot you know uh there was nights where or nights where i think the first night i didn't go to bed till 6 a.m i watched the sun come up and 
then the next day I slept like three hours and the next day I slept three hours. That's why I slept so well on the flight home and I went into a trance-like state, which I'll talk about in the next uh, segment. But uh, sleep is different in that little tribal community. You wake up when the sun comes up and or you wake up when people around you start waking up. And when you hear activity outside, I thought that was very interesting too. I don't know if anyone else thought of, but I'm like, it's so weird to think of, uh, I wake up with alarms now. I wake up with the most horrendous alarm, the iPhone one, the, the default one. But to be able to wake up to people making breakfast and to smell smoke and flutes and drums was something that I have not been able to experience for a really long time. But time, dilation, uh, cyclic, you go by the sun in the sky and the moon and that's it and that's how it's uh that's how it normally was well and that's the you know the crazy thing so with midsummer we had very little time where it was dark you know like for the most part we did all of our activities in the bright hot sun and but usually by the time it got dark out we were so exhausted for being in the bright hot sun we usually you know actually we went to bed way earlier mm. at midsummer because we were just so exhausted from the heat yeah um but the, the as we move closer to winter you know the more it gets dark out and it truly feels like the magic is starting to come out more. Like Midsummer was very unmagical. It was very folk oriented. It was very, you know, activity oriented, mm. um, you know, very physical. But, you know, with this, it was just like, it was such a spiritual journey. And I really do think, you know, going into the woods at night, because I mean, what was it like seven o'clock would be dark, yeah. you know? So there was a large chunk of time we were out in the dark. I mean, I've hardly ever walked in the woods at pitch dark. With no flashlights too. With no flashlight. Yeah, I would just walk in there barefoot. And, mm. you know, and it's like, and the things that happen to you in those woods at pitch dark are the reasons you need to watch the, ne the next part of this uh, this podcast, right? Yep, exactly. Is there <laughs> anything else we want to leave our audience with before going into the next segment? I mean, we talked about community. Um, we hit on that tribal psychic change, time dilation, um, ease of conversation. I mean, is there anything else? Because I, what th our I think ahead, I got it. So uh, okay. Casey's boyfriend, Will, he was not a Norse pagan. If anything, he had slight interest in Buddhism. I mm. mean, um, he asked me because he started watching the YouTube channel, I guess because of Casey. And he was like, would you mind if I came to this thing? I'm like, yeah. well, sure, of course. And he's like, I just really want to experience it. And he was telling me or telling Casey to me about his experience afterwards. Um, and he had a very transformative experience. And he's like, really? I may not I feel this. Yeah, he was like, I may not feel the gods, but I under I get it. I get why wow. you guys are doing what you're doing. He's like, I've never seen such a community before. I've never seen people so willing to do whatever it took to ensure others were safe and happy and well-fed. Um, I mean, the amount of gifts people were giving. I oh, mean, that, yeah. that guy, Keenan, who was giving away necklaces, mm -hmm. literally got invited a day before and brought three gifts for everybody. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't get that everywhere. You don't get that in church. You don't get that in a lot of groups. Um, so I think that's something that will really notice. And so for the listeners that may not be Norse pagans or even be interested, that's something we can all learn from because as a society, we are moving further and further away from community and yes. that's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, as we move further away from community, you get more isolated and with isolation comes higher rates of depression and suicide and everything else that comes along with that. I had no idea, honestly, Jacob, that Will was interested in Norse paganism. I thought he was just a, uh, I thought he was just floating to be honest, but he watched now that i think about it he watched our rituals and our ceremonies and um i didn't know who he was at first but that's uh, that's a really good example and um so i want to leave a message to those who are maybe interested or leaning to the faith and then obviously you'll, um, you can add on to this too but just remember that 
Norse paganism is a relatively new faith in the sense of like we're still learning about who we are as individuals and as communities. Um, but if you want to learn more about it, because we're about to cut it off here soon, uh, check out Jacob at The Wisdom of Odin on YouTube. And then also check out my channel because I'm posting stuff about it all, to, all the time. But um, yeah, don't be hesitant. Don't be hesitant to get into the faith. And um, yeah, I feel like that's all about, that's all I wanted to say for the first segment. Is there anything else you wanted to add on before? I we, think uh, the, the best thing I can add is if you want to learn more, you want to see what the heck we're talking about. The the fall, the fall gathering, uh, I, I'm calling it a movie at this point because it's 45 minutes long, <laughs> comes out October 5th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we're doing a YouTube premiere. And I think if people want to learn more and really see what the heck Norse paganism is and see our our version of it, um, I think I think everyone's going to get a kick. I mean, my best friend's a Catholic and he got a kick out of the stuff I've shown him so far. He's excited to watch it. So really? I really think it's going to be worth the watch. Hmm. Cool. Okay. All right, guys. I appreciate you um, listening to this episode. That's about 41 minutes. That's pretty good. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in for this. Now we are going to move on to both Jacobs and uh, both of our patrons. And we're going to talk more about my oaths and we're going to talk about the rituals. Let's talk about magic. Here, we're going to talk about the magic. <laughs> All right, guys. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a good one. All right, guys, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. So just to summarize what we talked about, we talked about the community. We talked about the gathering. We talked about the inspiration for Jacob putting this together. But the reason why we wanted to 